Saturday. We made it to the weekend. It's time to celebrate, and there's just so much to do these days. Welcome into another edition of the Sports Geeky Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer. As always, we are available for your listening pleasure wherever OutSports Podcasts can be found, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, we are there. Just make sure you listen and download to the show. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, have a lot to talk about this week as we enter what could be the final week here in my home state of Massachusetts of coronavirus stay-at-home orders. We'll see. May 18th is the expiration date on that. So actually, hold on. Let's see. Cinco was Thursday. Yeah, so about a week. Yeah, my math is off. I don't know. I was never good at math. I don't really know what day of the week it is anymore, except that it's Saturday. It's Sports Kiki Day, but roughly a week, roughly a week, perhaps, of stay-at-home orders in Massachusetts. Marty Walsh, Mayor Boston Mayor Marty Walsh, uh, said Friday, all large events in the city can't see us holding any large events in the city through Labor Day, canceling summer in one regard, but as long as the beaches are open, if it's safe to go out there, gathering even small groups, I'd say it would be a large improvement over what we are facing now in this daily dystopia that we live in. But we look to bring a smile to your face and <laughs> or something with the Sports Geeky every week. And we have a great guest for you this week, uh, a young sports reporter named Lauren Rosenberg, uh, who is the first out sports reporter uh, in Missouri's KCOU history. That's the student radio station there. That's a big deal. Such a big deal, in fact. She penned an essay for us at OutSports back in February about her experiences uh, because stigmas still exist, as we know. And she's interacting with athletes, major college athletes, uh, every day as her true self, holding nothing back, not hiding anything. So I think it's very interesting to talk to Lauren about that. Um, And also talk to somebody who, like me, as we said last week on the show in the mailbag episode, uh, which was a rousing success, by the way, um, that uh, someone else who's a college student, or in Lauren's case, a graduating senior, who's very serious about their career. Uh, And, you know, I, I can only imagine how I would feel right now if I were a graduating senior, very much looking forward to the job process, been planning four years for it, and now I'm here and the world is on indefinite pause. Like, what? What do you mean the economy is crashing? What do you mean we're heading for not just a great recession, a great depression? <laughs> what do you mean there are no jobs to be had at all or very few in the media and journalism world, even fewer than normal? Uh, a-, a frightening prospect indeed, but I guess you got to believe in yourself, as corny as it sounds. I uh, thought I was all cool. I was in college my senior year. I had two part-time gigs going that looked like they could realistically turn into full-time gigs. I'm not sure how realistic in hindsight, but at least that's what I told myself. And I was like, eh, people say it's hard to get a job in journalism. Not for me. (laughs) Not not for me. I might have two. I might have to turn one down. And then right (laughs) around graduation, I lose both of them. I'm slated to move into my own apartment away from my parents' house. It's a miserable summer. And by the end of it, I was freelancing. I was working. I was making money. And it was fine. And I wish I enjoyed a summer of unemployment. As, as a 22-year-old kid, but I didn't. So for any college kid listening, have that be the inspiration. If you are allowed, if it is deemed safe to be in small groups this summer, do it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't be miserable like I was. Um, but in all, in all seriousness, I uh, wrote a corresponding article on OutSports this week about uh, how professionally focused I was when I was younger. I think because, well, not I think, I know 
because I was closeted and I didn't want to do any introspection. I didn't want to think about myself at all. So an easy way for me to avoid thinking about myself was to bury myself in my aspiring career, booking guests for my Red Sox podcast, booking guests for my radio show on this very small AM station where you could barely hear the signal in the parking lot. If I just spent my entire life following the Red Sox, watching every Celtics game on Friday nights, if I just spent my life consumed by the sports world, covering sports, wanting to cover sports, uh, I never had to worry about a social life, really, and I especially didn't have to worry about dating anybody. I mean, dating. I have a career to pursue here. What are you talking about? So I found it just very easy to bury myself in my career. And yes, it's helped, I think. But A, I think I could still be in the same place today if I hadn't done that. And B, I missed out on a lot of things. I mean, we did a joint Outsports podcast this week about Marvel movies. And I know nothing, which, I mean, is fine. But also kind of sad because, I mean, how can you be a, a grown functioning adult and not really understand any of those references? But I don't. Because I was busy, uh, you know, watching Red Sox Mariners every last minute in May 2009. Uh, so that's just what I say. Just uh, I, I regret it a little bit. Regret it a bit. Uh, but I think it's easy. I think a lot of people who are closeted are still trying to figure it out, bury themselves in their careers. Because in order to enjoy your life, you actually have to have a life. You know, in order to have work-life balance, you have to actually live a true and fulfilling life. Which I don't feel I fully did. Until I came out and even more importantly started to uh, become more comfortable with who I am. So got a lot of feedback from that last week. Thank you for all of that. Um, So yeah, so Lauren Rosenberg coming up. Also talked to her about this Kelly Loeffler story. I'm very interested by this. Uh, She, of course, is the senator, the fine senator from the great state of Georgia who uh, sold off seven figures worth of stock after a Senate coronavirus hearing in January. Uh, Her and Richard Burr were two of the headliners, people accusing them of insider trading. Uh, Loeffler is by far the richest member of Congress. Her husband is the president of the New York Stock Exchange. Well, she's back in the news this week. Uh, We found that she received a $9 million parting gift from her company, International Exchange, the parent company of the New York Stock Exchange, when she left to serve in the Senate this past December. She was appointed by Georgia Governor Brian Kemp to take the place of Johnny Isaacson. Uh, She also is co-owner of the Atlanta Dream in the WNBA, has been since 2011. That's interesting to me because the WNBA is by far the most progressive professional sports league. Not only does it have a plethora of out players, uh, the most inclusive CBA and inclusive family leave policy in sports, uh, you know, players are in teams, entire teams take, you know, kneel during the anthem for social justice. They had a partnership with Planned Parenthood in 2018, a league partnership with Planned Parenthood in 2018. Can you imagine the NFL doing that? Please, no way. Uh, it is by far the most progressive professional sports organization. And Kelly Loeffler, this very conservative woman, is an owner in the league. And It's just interesting. You know, I was reading an article in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution about this, and this is what an Atlanta Dream fan said this past January. We paid, what, more than $7,000 for our tickets last year to line the pockets of someone who now is a public figure is going to be opposed to all of the things that keep me safe? I mean, that's a difficult argument to dispute. And I feel uncomfortable 
making the blanket statement, oh, if you're conservative, you can't own a sports team. Because you go down that route, I mean, the NFL, for example, is 70% black. If you want to have a, t- if you want to totally go that way, you could say if you, you know, are Republican, you're supporting, uh, in many cases, draconian criminal justice measures, which disproportionately affect minority people, and that's why the players are kneeling. So, and then do you want to say, okay, if you're a Republican, you should be disqualified from owning a professional sports team? Of course not. At least in my world, I don't want to do that. But if you are Kelly Loeffler, I mean, this is, you know, you have a lot of out players in the league. And you're supporting an administration that has the transgender military ban, that has instituting these federal society, uh, you know, uh, wet, you know, dream judges, uh, if you will, who uh, are doing everything they can to overturn civil rights from every angle uh, in this country. Um, you're supporting that. So how can you – and then you're also in a league that – where these policies are affecting such a large percentage of the players. So it's 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 weird. It's a very interesting contrast. Curious to get Lawrence's perspective on that as a gay WNBA fan. Uh, so that's coming up next. And also, while we we're on the political activism note, listeners to me on WEI probably won't be surprised to hear me bring this up. I'm very happy to read that Tom Brady signed a letter with the NFL Players Coalition this week asking for William Barr to investigate the murder of Ahmad Arbery, uh, you know that story, 25-year-old black man jogging in a neighborhood in Georgia, shot dead by two vigilantes, chasing him down. I mean, just so gross and disgusting. And they originally weren't charged. <laughs> and then videotape of the attack gets out, and now they are charged, thankfully. But... The NFL Players Coalition wants an investigation, a federal investigation. And it's great to see Brady sign his name because A, Tom Brady has never taken any sort of real meaningful political stand in his career, which is fine. I mean, I've never thought just because you can throw a football well means you have to be a political activist. No, if you have nothing to say, better to not say anything at all, right? Better to not make people think you're a fool then open your mouth and leave all doubt a lesson that I still have yet to learn so no problem just because you have the platform you don't have to use it I can't understand not using it but it's fine it's your business but it certainly means a lot when someone with the name recognition of Tom Brady and someone like who who's white like Tom Brady joins up with this cause and that's what we need you know in the NFL it was the players of color largely taking the knees. It was the players of color who were largely answering those questions. Uh, And a lot of the white superstars in that league from Tom Brady, I mean, go on down the line, just really haven't done much in terms of the social activism. They haven't lended their status to it. And these kind of messages are amplified and stronger when they come from such a broader base of people. And, uh, especially white people saying this, this is ridiculous that you can just die because you're more jogging while black, get murdered for jogging while black in broad daylight. It's just, it's like, wow. And seems like this might be a tipping point. We'll see. It got Tom Brady to be politically active. I'm happy for that. Laura Rosenberg coming, Lauren Rosenberg coming up on the other side.
Welcome back to the show, the Sports Kiki Podcast. We have a young sports reporter on the line, Lauren Rosenberg, who is an alumnus of the venerated KCOU at the University of Missouri. Lauren, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. You know, can't really complain. The weather outside is a little dreary for my taste, but yeah, same here. I'm inside right now. So Columbia got hit with a big storm last night. So that was fun. I love rain. So it was fun, you know, staying up and listening. Now, I remember um, when I was looking to go to schools, I wound up going to Boston University, but Mizzou, I mean, that was like the, the real deal. Like you guys are, it's a very serious communication school. It's like a top notch program. Yeah, the so it's the the journalism school is like what um, Mizzou is known for specifically because it was like the first yes. one. They have the Missouri Method, all that fun stuff. But the comm department is actually so overlooked. And I used to be a journalism major and then switched over to comm. And that was honestly like the best decision I've ever made. But like moving over and everything was honestly such a good thing for me to do. It's very underrated. Like I'm in a sports broadcast production class and we, before the Corona happened and stuff, I got to shadow shift a gymnastics meet, which was also their senior day and got to work and like shadow, like the SEC uh, network and ESPN equipment. So like, and journalism students don't have the opportunity to take that class because there's only like specific classes you're allowed to take to count towards your journalism degree. So I'm right. pretty happy that I got to switch over and do this class. Oh, yeah. I mean, so uh, the experience is good. And as I was uh, telling, saying earlier in the show, you came on our radar and we wrote a, a big feature about you. Or you wrote your own uh, your feature, your own, an essay for us. Uh, you are the first uh, openly gay uh, person to work at KCOU, Mizzou's uh, student station, uh, correct? And how's that experience been for you? Yeah, that's 100% correct. It has been so much fun, um, yeah. like being out and everything. Like I wrote in my story that there were troubles with language. A lot of them were um, freshmen at the time. So, you know, they're coming from high school. They didn't really learn. Some have never been like exposed to anyone in the LGBTQ community so, like, I took it upon myself and, like, the labor to educate and everything. And some of those guys have become, like, the biggest advocates and shut down really? language for seconds. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so you've actually then, changed hearts and minds. You have kids, you know, punk-ass freshmen come in, they're <laughs> saying all these words, and then you, you got them to change? Yeah, like, with the help wow. of um, some of my friends as well. Because um, there was a point in time that I didn't even, like, feel like accepted or welcome into just hanging out in the station. And then after I took my semester break a year ago, so spring 2019, I decided that I'm going to stick with KCOU and make my place in, in the station and be there. And like my friends helped me out shutting down any language that was deemed inappropriate. Sometimes like, you know, like with the labor and everything of doing that, it really takes like a like a toll and it's very taxing on like your mental health and stuff. So sometimes I would just kind of like let it pass, but my friends would be like, "Uh, no." Yeah, and call it. I love that. How 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 does one of those conversations go? You know, you um, shut it down. So I'll like give an example and everything. It's um, I was kind of sitting in the station one day um earlier last semester so like we had like some new freshmen coming in 
Um, some have like really have were from small towns in Missouri or small town, Texas, never been exposed to an LGBTQ person that they know of in their life. Mm-hmm. And they, some of them just said the F slur and everything. And sure. my friend, just look at that. He's one of my best friends. Um, he kind of looked at them and was like, you cannot say those words. That's inappropriate. That's not okay. There are LGBTQ staff members in this sports department please watch your language. It was like very calm. And I yeah. looked at him and I'm like, yeah, oh my gosh, thank you. Cause I and don't want to like put out that impression and be like that kind of gay. Who's like offended by everything. Right. And so I, my uh, straight friends do it for me. <laughs> well, it's great that you have friends who do that. Um, and I think the fact that you said it's delivered in like a calm manner, I think it's the best way. Cause you know, just like, hey, like, that's not cool here, you know? I mean, you're you're in the big leagues now. You're at, you know, big college town. You're no longer, you know, it's no longer like high school. I, so I, I think it's good that it's delivered in a calm way. And, and it's, instead, it's getting across. That's great to hear. Yeah, and also, like, the LGBTQ center is literally, like, 10 feet away. Oh, and okay. our guys are loud. They are loud. Just in general, we have heated arguments on sports all the time and they're screaming and I'm like, guys, you, you need to like calm down. We got like the LGBTQ centers right there. We have the relationship and sexual violence prevention center right there. They don't want to hear your loud noise. <laughs> and then like, we have to make sure that if they say any like offensive language and stuff that that like cannot like does not slide with us. How about uh, the athletes at the school? Do they know that you are gay and... Uh... How's your experience been working with them these last few years? As far as I am aware, they do. Um, when I was a freshman, we have this thing called freshman interest groups. So I was in the sports journalism one. And in our dorm, its name is South. It's right where the athletes stay. Like every single athlete stays in South. Um, except like my sophomore year when like Michael Porter Jr. came in all the men's basketball scholarship players and football scholarship players were moved into um, an on-campus really nice apartment. Mm -hmm. So because God forbid the number one recruit in the nation is in a dorm. So, but like, as far as I know with my freshman year, everything that they all knew, I never hit it. I kept it very open. I was very honest with it. My roommate helped me with anything that was deemed controversial. My um, classmates in my freshman's interest group, we were all very tight-knit. When I came out to them, um, they made it like their priority to shut down anything offensive. So like, as far as I know, the athletes like don't actually care on like who you are and like what you identify as. Cause I think mm-hmm. they realize in everything that like, we're all human, especially with Michael Sam coming out in 2015 I think that was 2015 or was it 2014? Yeah. I, I think one of the two. I was going to ask, how about Michael Sam? How's he viewed? What's his... Uh... Oh, we love him. Yeah. Like, well, I can't say, I can't say we, but like <laughs> everyone that I know loves him. And he um, really set the bar high for being out in college athletics. Like, I mean, we have LGBTQ athletes. I mean, what do you expect when you have so many in like a sec division one like so many athletes are going to bound to be a good amount of lgbtq ones and like i think he really set the mark on acceptance and stuff i've had very thorough conversations with athletes and some like men's basketball players 
who literally who are very christian so they're very religious mm-hmm. um some of them aren't so, but that's like a whole different thing but like the religious ones and they believe that um i'm jewish by the way so this is not like my view but yeah, from sure. like things they um literally said this one woman's basketball player specifically former one she said jesus never turned anyone away so what gives me the right to tell people that they can't love who they love and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I had, like, two-hour-long conversation at Mizzou Arena after this thing called Mizzou Madness um, with her about it. And, like, the women's yeah. basketball team don't care. Men's basketball team doesn't care. Um, our coaches are very much into family-style atmosphere. So they don't want anyone to be um, intimidated or overwhelmed or to feel like they can't be out which um, is why, like, I was able to have these dialogues with them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's so great to hear. And, you know, and it's it's very courageous to come out not only in your private life through college, as I did, but, you know, professionally, um, which I, you know, I did when I was 23. And granted, we kind of different gigs. I was a radio jackass, basically. But, you know, I, I really feel like that uh, it helped me. Like, I felt freed professionally once I was able to be out in both facets of my life. Now that you have come out and you've had these experiences, do you think that you're a stronger journalist and reporter now that you, you have been out professionally and you've kind of just put all the cards on the table? Cause for me, it was a, a freeing experience. Yeah, I think definitely it was so freeing and just so liberating because this is such a huge, huge aspect of my life And if I'm not out and if I'm like in the closet per se, like obviously this is my own personal opinion, then I feel like I can't be authentic. I can't show who I am. I can't who I am. And like, especially with athletics and all these people who are coming out and like not being afraid. Same with mental illness. Like I have um, bipolar disorder and it's all over my um, social media bios. I talk about it all the time. It's a part of me like, and like I have it, I am not by I'm not the illness, but like I have it, and it's a part of who I am. It's a part of my identity and my struggle and my fight. And this is just something that is so freeing and liberating to be open about being gay and having mental illness and stuff. And because it's just a part of like what makes me me. If I can't be open, authentic about my life, then I um, don't really feel accomplished. I feel like I'd be fake in a way. Exactly. Exactly. Liberating is a great word for it. Do you think that it's helped you in terms of making connections? It's it's quite a big uh, family we have here in media, oh, in definitely. media especially. Oh, I definitely think so. So in KCOU, aside from myself, there are three other LGBTQ people who um, aren't out to the station. But people know that there are more than me because these people have talked about how there's multiple, but like they have made no indication that like, they are but people know that they are and yeah. i think in a lot like all of them were because i speak so openly about being gay a lot of them were like wait like i want to come out now like one of them like actually did come out to the station not in the exaggerate rate way that i did when i stood up in front of literally every single person at the second sports game was like here is a powerpoint on who i am i literally put the song like this is me by demi lovato and joe jonas from camp rock i literally had that song playing 
in the intro. Everyone loved it. Got like a standing ovation after my coming out. Had messages from every single, like literally every single person of like freshmen and everything and like newbies who just like messaged me on group me and was like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much. Yeah, And that was just something impactful. I think it really helps because I think my coming out helped normalize that like LGBTQ people exist in media and that they can be too if they um, want to come out, if they feel so. And don't worry, I did get permission to talk about those three. So I'm not just like saying it out of the blue. No, but it's something to learn too. I mean, and I actually accidentally outed somebody when I first started on the radio and it was, you know, it's, it's a lot of... It's it's a lot of things to navigate, but ultimately, uh, I go back to liberating is a good way to put it. So, I mean, you're obviously very professionally focused as well. Um, like, as I was saying before you came on, too, I, I would be freaking out if I was a college senior and this was happening, the coronavirus, nobody's hiring. How are you handling that? Oh, I'm freaking out. So. <laughs> I don't mean to add to oh, then I retract the question. Oh, <laughs> you I got mean- nothing to worry about. It'll be fine. Yeah, I hope so. Like, I found some jobs that look very much up my alley, and I'm looking at those, planning on applying to them once um, I finish all my classes. Almost there. I think my last assignment is due on, like, the 14th. I think I have one due on the 11th, and I'm done for the summer for a month. I'm Not for the summer. Wow. For the spring for a month. So that's when I'll be, like, applying. But I've been working on, like, a cover letter and, like, those things to update everything. Um, I just took a comm class. It's business and professional writing and like we had a whole like unit on cover letters and resumes granted I already knew how to do them but it was a good refresher so like and that was like one of the required classes that we have to take yeah because I was a like a late entrance into comm and everything that's why I kind of took it a little later in the spring of my senior year but like it was definitely a good class I had great professors a great TA very supportive people as well. Like I came out to my um, discussion class and before, you know, Corona happened and like everyone was just so accepting in that too. So it's not even just like in like media and stuff. It's also just in like my classes. It's like, I'm just not afraid anymore. People are going to find out anyways in like discussion posts. So it's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go for it. Awesome. No, that's so awesome to hear. And the job thing, I graduated college and thought I was flying high. I had like a couple part-time gigs in my senior year. Thought I was in good shape. Then I lost them as I got to graduation. Had no job that summer. And I was freaking out. But it all worked out. And I kind of wish I enjoyed my summer of unemployment more than I did. So keep that in mind too. Yeah. It'll be fine. Um, I also want to talk about... <laughs> Go ahead. I do have like a freelance gig for the High Post Hoops. It's a women's basketball thing covered WNBA, NCAA, International, all that fun stuff. And I write about the Big 12, which was a good refresher from the fact that uh, don't tell other Mizzou people, JK, they already know, but I'm a huge Kansas fan because one of my sisters went to Kansas. So writing about the Big 12 and everything is so much fun. So I have that still going on for me. And there's a lot of transfers happening. So it's been it's been a lot of fun still writing about that. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Good to keep keep sharp, as they say. Um, I also wanted to have you on, Lauren, um, because uh, you're a big WNBA uh, follower. Um, and the Kelly Loeffler story is just so <laughs> kind of strange to me. So I bring it up because she's back in the news this week. We said this earlier, $9 million parting gift from her old company, uh, the parent company, New York Stock Exchange. She's married to the president of the New York Stock Exchange, and she had the controversy 
with with the stock selling after the Senate coronavirus briefing. So just in addition to that, I mean, her she's you know pretty hard right winger. Um, you know, she's a WNBA owner. WNBA is one of the most the most I think progressive sports leagues in the country. Uh, they, this, this is an organization that had a partnership with Planned Parenthood. You can never see the NFL or it, it, doing that in a million years. Uh, so just as a WNBA fan, how do you view Kelly Loeffler's involvement? How is she perceived in, in WNBA circles? It seems like, just from an outsider's perspective, uh, quite a contrast. Yeah, I I do think that... I agree like that it's definitely a contrast and everything. Cause like I said, she does go against the ideals. She's voted like 100% with all of Trump's um, like bills, very into like literally everything that he wants. Like what came with like the trans military ban, I believe that she was a part or. Uh, well, she wasn't appointed to the Senate at that point. I don't think, but I'm sure she supported it. I mean, I'm sure she supports yeah, like, every policy. Yeah. Because she's like a conservative. That's what I was getting. Because she was appointed pretty recently, right. I believe. Right. She was appointed but, by the governor of Georgia. Yes. Yeah. It's like with no political background. And I'm like, well, right. our president doesn't have political background either. So I guess it's fine, right? Uh, it but, worked out well. But, yeah, exactly. Haha. <laughs> Jokes. Um, I'm also, I'm a person that doesn't judge based on people's political beliefs. I rather mm. have like, open dialogues about it to figure yeah. out like, do they think this way and all this fun stuff. Um, but she got into being an owner, of the WNBA, cause she loves basketball. And a funny thing that I think and stuff, because like you said, the WNBA is definitely the most progressive. They've had pride night since like the early mid two thousands. I was on um, a show with KCOU with, um, it's there, a new show called the pulse. And I literally talked about gender and sexuality in professional sports. So I talked about that briefly. I think it was the LA Sparks and New York Liberty have the first ones. Don't quote me on that. Minnesota Lynx might have as well. Not sure. Don't quote me. But one of those three. And I was kind of like diving into this. I looked more Kelly Loeffler and everything. And I was just like, she has LGBTQ people in her organization. But yet she's so opposed in, to like all of these progressive ideals. Like you said, WNBA... Yeah. Um, like backs Planned Parenthood, but she's very pro-life. So yeah. I'm like, okay, well, how does she do that with her players? Do you like, it's one of those things that kind of pops into your head and be like, do you think that that will steer LGBTQ people away because of her as an owner? But then you saw Courtney Williams, one of the most prominent gay um, athletes in the WNBA going to Atlanta. Yeah. So that's kind of like, maybe it doesn't steer away. Maybe Courtney wanted to go to Atlanta because they have a good sports culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, but it, it's just interesting. I always kind of wonder like how she's still able to get people. I'm just wondering maybe it's because the general manager, the head coach are good people and are like the main people that like players work with. So maybe like that's it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously not a w- no no it's just interesting it's interesting because you know like i uh because you know i think you know i think it's good to have the dialogue like you said and i think it is possible and should be encouraged to be friends with someone who's 
of a different political mindset. But so, yeah. So on one hand, you know, because you I also don't want to be like, oh, if you're a Republican and you don't belong owning, you know, a WNBA team or any sports team. And I feel like because I feel like that then totally just shuts down the chance for any sort of discussion, you know. Yeah, exactly. And like Loeffler is also part of the first just all female um, ownership of a major pro league, uh, pro yeah. pro team in Atlanta. So clearly there's something that she still likes about women and women's basketball, um, despite being very much against a lot of the stuff that the WNBA stands for. Like there was um, a former player who was anonymous and everything, a former dream player who who like, and I quote, she said this to power play by Lindsay Gibbs. It's sad to see her so openly display things that counteract the very core mission of the WNBA. But hey, does the person who funds the show's ideals pre permeate throughout? Can she believe in both? So that's something that's kind of mm. makes you scratch your head and be like, wait, maybe she is pro LGBTQ in a way and like tolerant of it. But like, I mean, it's then one just of the supports <laughs> every policy that, you know, is discriminatory. Yeah, exactly. You just don't know what goes through people's heads, especially when you're in a state like in a political um, position is that you want to be able to um, interact with your constituents and like not lose, in her case, the Republican Party's support. Yeah. And she had primary. Just interesting question. I want to get a a real WNBA fans uh, perspective on it rather than Johnny come lately like myself. Lauren, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Sports Kiki. We'll be back next Saturday. Next Saturday, as always. I say this every time, and I mean it, damn it. If you have any guest ideas, feel free to drop me a line. Find me on Twitter, at AlexDreamer1. That, again, is at AlexDreamer1. Thank you all. Talk to you next week.